What's up, everyone? Welcome to the All 49ers Show. We're the All 49ers. Grant Cohn, Jose Sanchez. Name of the show is Stock Ups. Whose stock is rising and whose stock is falling? Um, this is a projection. I like doing this because a lot of times when you do football analysis, people just like whatever happened last year is what's going to happen the next year. But that's not how football works. There's always like wild variations, and we're going to try to predict those today. And no one remember if we're wrong. But if we're right, give us our props. That's how it works. <laughs> so let's start with the positive. Uh, one player who could exceed expectations. And when we say one player, like he'll name one and then I'll name one and then he'll name one and then I'll name one until we run out of people who could potentially fit on this list. You go first. It's a game of tennis here, basically. How we're doing. Basically. We're a game of tennis. <laughs> uh, we're doing an expert who can exceed expectations. All right, the first one who I thought in my mind was going to be Aaron Banks, who's going to take over for Lakers. Oh, wow. Okay. I, think, uh, I, I know that's a stretch. I think he could. I'd lean more he's going to exceed than, than be a bust in terms of being more hopeful. Hey, the bar is pretty low after his rookie year, right? <laughs> it is pretty low, and I guess it's because, you know, he, he had to learn right guard on the fly, essentially. You know, and the thing about the 49ers, I've said it multiple times, these guys have an infatuation of taking touted prospects at one position and putting them at somewhere where they're not, which is kind of, like, hilarious to me considering, you know, they always like to put players in the most um, ideal position to succeed. But in this sense, you put him back to left guard, he goes back to familiar territory, something he's been doing forever. Um, you give him a whole offseason to actually build towards that way. And then maybe now even from familiarity of, of playing last year, maybe he comes a little pissed off because like he was injured because he knows he didn't play well. He didn't get a chance because he very well had a chance to start at right guard. So I think at left guard, if he's back to familiar territory, I think Aaron Banks would be someone. Is if he just plays somewhere solidified, that left side of the line is going to be great and perfect for Trey Lance. You're, it sounds to me like your volume's a little low. I thought it was just me, but Nacho Libre saw it as well. Um, maybe, I don't know, just something to think about. Uh, I'll go next while you work on that. I'm going to stay on the offensive line. I like the Banks pick, although I wasn't bold enough to pick Banks. I went with the other uh, rookie from last year, Jalen Moore, 76. I feel like what's going to happen is he's going to get most of the reps at right tackle during training camp. And the Niners are going to hope that McGlinchey comes back and that he, like, mm -hmm. I don't know, is this great player that they think he is. But I think Jalen Moore is going to be better than him. And I think Jalen Moore is going to be their starting right tackle this year, and he's going to uh, take it over. I think he's going to be an upgrade, and I think he's going to be one of the better bright, like, better stories of the season, Jalen Moore at right tackle. <laughs> Jalen Moore over Mike McGlinchey? Does that sound a little better? Am I still kind of the same? Still kind of the same? I don't know. It's just kind of the same to me, but I don't know. We, we can hear I got a lot of voices. Yeah. I see easy, okay. easy, I'm easy to project. <laughs> <laughs> Another player to exceed. Um, uh, how about Drake Jackson? I know he's a second round pick, and there's already going to be some nice little heights on him. But I feel like, in terms of where he's going to exceed the expectation, is probably a little sooner in the season. It's going to probably where some of us will probably think, hey, mid season, second half of the season, especially late in the season, is where he'll see his massive surge. But. How about when maybe just by like game four where he starts wreaking havoc? I mean, there's so many players on that defensive line that you're going to have to consider to like block or scheme around that you're not even going to worry about Drake Jackson. I'm going to be worried about Nick Bosa, be worried about Eric Armstead to the extent, you know, just so many other players that you're going to have to like focus on that defensive line before you even get to Drake Jackson because it's like he's a rookie. Let, let him figure it out too. A fringe, a fringe second round pick at that because remember he was the bottom of the second round. So I can see him like really turning it up by like game five, starting starting to pick it up, and then he just trends all the way till the 
to the end of the season where he grows a strong finish and maybe even if they make the playoffs he'll be a significant factor of why they're even getting a, a efficient pass rush okay that's a good one um I'm, I'm gonna go i'm gonna stay on the defensive line whenever you do a, a player at a new position group i'm gonna try to match you i'm gonna one-up you how about uh, a defensive tackle kevin givens you know because you dj jones is gone there everyone's looking at javon kinlaw to replace dj jones and kinlaw can but as we know he's got an injury history and if this he had a total acl reconstruction this offseason he hasn't practiced yet this offseason if that you know if it's delayed I, I same situation basically with mcglinchy i just said right. Jalen moore over mcglinchy i'm a little skeptical of that whole rehab process and how he's going to bounce back i'm skeptical of J javon too nothing against him it's just sports so if there's any type of setback or whatever boom kevin gibbons gets a shot and to me kevin gibbons is a hell of a player he doesn't get the hype that javon gets because gibbons was undrafted javon was a first round pick but i think kevin gibbons is a hell of a player he when he came to the team he seemed a little small to play defensive tackle but he seems like he's gotten bigger and stronger every single year and i'm curious to see what he can do with a golden opportunity to be a starting nose tackle this year yeah, he, that's a good one. They're definitely gonna need that rotational one right there because for exactly the same thing you said. Like, we don't is Kinlaw gonna be healthy this year? As well as gonna be healthy. There's isn't a player on there who also gets injured on that defensive line that I just can't think of right now. But point is, you, you, he's gonna come in clutch for them. That, that that's a good one. Um, exceeding expectations is another one. Shoot, who can I get a third one? Uh, how about Jake Brendel? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna say Jake Brendel. That would be more. I the Hey, that would be bold. I can't. I can't go that one. Um, I gotta go with. Oh, shoot, man. How about Juwan Jennings? Just based off like of that. how he's really been on a heater since what November? Yeah, he's been on a heater since pretty he much really what, November, November yeah. essentially, and it's just gone on to. I, I think the way I'm thinking about it, exceeding expectations, I think he already has great expectations. Like people are gonna think he's he's a baller now. He's gonna like you know reach that status status next season but i feel like in terms of seeing expectations like people are going to be like this guy is significantly better than kendrick Bourne because that's kind of that's essentially where we're kind of comping him to right that third wide receiver you know kendrick Bourne, the both same energetic energy um and that's also something that kyle shannon i think has also like been drawn to some comparisons towards a little bit that there was some similarities i think i remember he said that at one point during last season but i think with him it's going to be He's going to have great rapport with Trey Lance, I feel. It's going to be working out great. I mean, the fact you already got this building up um, during the LTAs, and I think those two even worked out together um some point, maybe even last offseason, if, if I'm mistaken. But who knows? He, he worked out a lot of people. But I think that's one player who's really going to stand up. It, it, he's not going to be just a, your basic blocker. He's going to be someone that Trey Lance is going to rely on pretty hef heavily. Uh, yeah, I have him written down. I I, I, I wrote down six players for this list we've gotten through uh three of them i'm gonna stay in the wide receiver room ray ray mcleod when they signed him i kind of made fun of the the signing but after watching him in otas and minicamp it's clear that they're going to use him on offense he's going to have a gadget role and he, more than that like he is a better wide receiver than i gave, gave him credit for he uh really trusts his hands he has no problem catching trey lance's fastball he's not like Travis Benjamin or someone who's trying to catch the ball with his chest. He's uh he's a, a good, well-coached vet wide receiver. Um, I think Kyle, and you know, Kyle is he'll, he'll sign a guy. People will be like, what is Kyle thinking? Why does he want this? And Kyle will make it his mission to use him and show you and prove you wrong. And I think he kind of has that chip in his shoulder with Ray Ray. Cause everyone kind of panned that signing. 
You got the insider trading knowledge on Ray Ray McLeod. I can't, Ray Ray. I can't even Sorry. see that. I can't even see. It's hey, okay. It's my, we're talking about practice, though. We're talking right, about we are practice. talking about practice. <laughs> I got two more guys' names if you if you can't think of anyone. Dude, I think I can't think of anymore. That's someone that I would actually like have faith in. I, I would just be lying at this point. Two more guys. Jeff Wilson Jr., in my opinion. I think people aren't really thinking about him, and I think he might be the best running back Is on the team. Is he going to get run? We'll see. He was hurt last year, and he came in like midway through the season when they needed him, and he didn't really seem like himself. But the year before, there were games where he took over, like in New England. Yeah. So I'm curious to see if he can regain that form. The guy he used to be two years ago. And finally, how about Trey Lance? I like people are really like kind of treading lightly, like, hey, you know, he's 22. You know, they they look at Josh Allen here in the league. Like, don't be surprised if there are some serious growing pains. I don't know. He just tore it up in OTAs in minicamp. He's got a really good team around him. He's quite gifted. He knows the offense. I feel like he's going to be like, – his stats are going to be way better than people realize. That's the way I kind of look at it. Yeah, and then <laughs> that's something I saw uh, – who was it say? Like, like I told you, my boy Mo on a Bleacher Report, he was on the other side of that. And some of the things listed is like the same way. People treating it lightly. Oh, no game experience. We don't know. But as much as I want to hear that – it, it kind of makes no sense for me to even take that side, especially for me and you to take that side when we're one of the people who are kind of pounding the table that Lance should have started over Garoppolo. And for the reasons being is like, you have a great offensive mind, right. Kyle Shanahan, you have all this talent, you have a great yeah. defense. There's no softer landing for a rookie, well, not second year, quarterback right. to really round out, come into form and find himself. And look at how you like baby Jimmy Garoppolo. Can you not do the same thing for Trey Lance? I think they can. I think what, like, people are expecting Trey Lance to – maybe complete 54% of it, something low. And I think he's going to be way closer to 70 because it was like 75% in, in minicamp. Again, it's just minicamp, but it seems like he has a real good feel for where the ball needs to go. He's been in the offense for a year. He's very smart. Um, you know, sometimes accuracy is an issue, but it wasn't in camp. So it'll be interesting. I, I think he's going to, I think Lance is going to exceed expectations. I don't know how many games he'll play. You know, I, I I wonder about the durability. Same thing with like Andrew Luck ten years ago, but that's mm -hmm. that's a different thing. I mean, that's that's a question for every football player. Yeah, plus uh, it's not like you know they're gonna be make he's gonna be making Lance throw it like 30, 40 times. I think it's still gonna point. be around that twenty. Well, maybe a little bit more pass attempts, maybe the twenty five, thirty range in some cases. But ideally, you know, Shannon wants to run the ball, opens everything up, and then still give. Trey Lance, those easy open throws, like within five yards, within 10 yards, you know, dump off crosser, slant to Debo, Ayuk, whatever. And then he connects those, actually looks polished. And then I think that's where Kyle Shannon is going to start having more faith in Lance to give him more of that responsibility. Like, hey, here's a straight drop back. Let's take more shots without the trickery. Because that's something you saw that he did with Garoppolo where he was timid. It's like, I can't, I got, I need Jimmy to make these three to five throws first before right. I start asking anything of him. If he can't make those, I'm pretty much strapped with the with my with my uh, playbook right now, so I think that's something he's gonna do. Probably a little timid with Lance at first, like let's see if we can make some of these throws, see where he's at, and then once I feel confident that he can make these throws, then we can start going and going and going after the defense. That's something I think that's gonna be the trend for a majority of the season. I agree. I mean, we're so used to Kyle being like terrified of his own quarterback, where the way he would call plays would be like run, run, and then when you have to throw on third down, then you let Jimmy Garoppolo throw. And other times he would throw would be like you know, extended handoffs on first and second down up screen. He would throw a lot of screens and you'd ask him to throw when he had to, but that was pretty much it. You only turn to Jimmy, like when you absolutely had no other options. And now I think you're going to see Kyle be much more aggressive with his quarterback, like taking shots from play action. Remember that? 
Go back and watch the Falcons from 2016. I'm not saying he's going to be Matt Ryan, but they're going to Kyle is going to call play similarly with the play action and the shots down the field because why wouldn't you? He wanted to with Jimmy. I think one of the reasons he, they're getting rid of Jimmy is that Kyle felt like he got sold, you know, something he didn't. I think he thought Jimmy Garoppolo would be a lot different. Remember, Jimmy only played two games before he came to the Niners. He only played two games. These tendencies were not known. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's something he can't wait. He can't wait to actually bring the big guns to the playbook, right? He's he's finally right. done of using the little pea shooter gun for his yeah. offense when throwing the ball. But yeah, I, I still think he's gonna. I just still think Kyle's gonna be a little timid with him. Maybe, maybe at times at least. I, I still think because he just he's. I don't know how to call plays with Traylon right now. Uh, l- l- let me figure it out. Let me see again. Let me see where he's at. Because for all we know, it could be like the first two to three games, which it should be because they play some you know some very low average fair weather opponents that Lance looks good and all of a sudden you get to that Broncos game Sunday night bright lights and then you know you, you get a little nervous you get a little tight right there you know you just you get shaky whatever the case may be and I, I just think it's going to be a lot of interest in how Kyle's really going to treat Lance whether it's the first portion of the season or maybe it's the way I think it's gonna be different than Jimmy but I just I'm just know it's something that he's gonna have to feel a little more trustworthy or more comfortable in terms of right. actually being in the game um I'm just thinking about how Kyle's going to use his receivers differently because it's so clear. Yes. He had, he liked, he likes deep threats. He brought in Marquise Goodwin. Then they got Jimmy Garoppolo, saw what he was. And they're like, all right, well, he's not going to, there's no point. So let's just get yak guys. Cause that's what Jimmy is. But when he had Matt Ryan, if you remember that was, that was six years ago, but dude, Taylor Gabriel was a huge factor in that offense. Now, of course, Julio Jones. Great. He was a deep threat too. But when you were so focused on stopping him and Austin Hooper, you would get burned, not you. The defense would get burned for long touchdowns by Taylor Gabriel. And it's like Kyle loves doing that kind of stuff. And that's gonna be Ray McLeod this year or Danny Gray. Like they have those guys on this team this year. And you know Kyle has those play calling tendencies. He just hasn't been allowed and able to do. He's coming back. And I think it's gonna be a lot of fun because that's really how you win Super Bowls. You can't work around your quarterback forever. At a certain point, you need your quarterback to be great. Or at least play great. And, you, you know, when the Ravens won 10 years ago, there were stretches where Flacco was actually really playing great. When, when, when Foles won, he was playing great. Jimmy never played great in the playoffs. He had two runs, enough. Anyway, let's move on. Merkin Avalo says, who would fit better with Lance, Debo or Metcalf? Debo's better than Metcalf. I think. Is I don't he? care about fit. Debo's is better. Is he? Is he better? I'm taking DK. I think he's better after the catch. I think he can. I think he's better after the catch. Better after catch a thousand percent. Yeah. I think Metcalf's a little better receiver for me. Okay. And he's a hell of a deep threat. I mean, that would be a good. I see where Mark is coming from. The ultimate offensive weapon, Debo off top. Like, no matter yeah. what system you're putting him in for the most. Well, actually, I don't know, no matter what, what system, because I don't trust other teams to use Debo the same way, but ultimate offensive weapon, ultimate receiver, DK for me, in my opinion. Salasafati says, really worried about the middle of the D-line. They will run A, B-gap, opposite of Armstead, if no Kinlaw. Givens is more of a smaller pass rusher. Yeah, let's see. I mean, he's got he knows he's got a big opportunity. Is he going to be a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger this year? I think he's been a little bit bigger and stronger every year, but I don't know if he's – last year I felt like when Street and Givens were on the field, the Niners couldn't stop the run between the tackles, and they needed uh, DJ Jones and yep. Armstead out there pretty much all the time. So let's see. Let's see. Yeah, especially once Kinlaw went down, that's when the red defense started really leaking oil, and then you needed DJ Jones to really step it up, and sure enough, the guy was just falling <clears> week <throat> after week. De- and they moved Armstead full-time after that, I think. Yeah. yeah. 
Justin E says, any chance Jordan Mason makes a team? There's a chance, but I think it's more likely he'll be on the practice squad and he'll be the Niners' new like secret project. I don't think anyone's going to take him from the Niners, which is nice. No, All right. not going to make him pass the final cuts. No, okay, let's do the second uh, other side of this topic. One player who could disappoint. And when I say one, I'm talking 12. Of course you have do you have more that can disappoint than exceed expectations no i have six i had an equal number for each but you have some too all right um how about this one one player who could disappoint it's not gonna be bad as uh debo samuel and i haven't i, I haven't listed down too let's talk yeah, about I think it. that was the most clear cut to me because yeah. he's not gonna be a running back right we well we assume we presume we think right um, yeah. He showed up, you know, that's why, that's why they draft, you know, Tyrion Davis price, you know, that's why you have a, a Ray Ray McLeod, which maybe they split that type of duties of what you had for a, a Debo Samuel. Um, and I think like, you know, he's still going to be a baller, you know, people are still going to be like, man, Debo's great. He's going to be an impact player to influences the game, but you could see night and day how much of a difference it was when he went from being a thousand yard receiver, basically by mid season last year to majority of majority of the time running back or wide back it was it was night and day how much he was really being an impactful player and, and you know there's gonna be a, probably a few games where you're like damn the 49ers don't have that home run ability where are they gonna get that from Debo and it's like oh that's disappointing we can't use him that way you know now we can't use him in different ways of trickeration for the defense now we can't use him to get the easy touchdown so that's why I think it's really gonna be a disappointment where it's gonna, you're gonna really think it back and be like damn I missed those days that was great when he was doing that it just sucks that he doesn't want to do it but it, I Assuming they don't, which I don't think they will. I just feel like he set the bar so high, and now everyone expects him to do it again. And I, I don't know that he will. Maybe yeah. he will. But, like, last year, everything kind of came together. He was in a contract year. He had the best offseason ever. He was in his best conditioning. And his mindset was so innocent. It was like, if I play great, they're going to reward me. And now, like, he's in this whole jaded phase of his career where, like, I did everything I could do in my power. They're still messing with me. And they're trying to make me look bad. Now I got to come to minicamp and look professional. Like, what does he really feel? Yep. Where is his mind really at right now? And is he doing everything in his power to be at his best the way he did last year? I don't know. We'll see. I just feel like everyone's expecting, you know, maybe even a better season considering he's playing with a better quarterback now. And what if, he, you know, I, he's, he's had a lot of, got a lot of injuries in his past. I'm curious to see if Debo can duplicate last year yeah and you can argue that he's probably that Trey Lance will probably not saying he's gonna look away from Debo that much at all but that he probably has a more of a better like synchronization with someone like Ayuk yeah he'll probably spread the ball around more yeah (laughs) yeah exactly so that's that's another argument you can make the way you can spread it around more and so yeah all right that's a good one I can go how about Brandon Ayuk stay at the wide receiver spot again everyone's expecting this dude to take off year three like Debo last year plus Brandon has a great rapport with Trey Lance I mean they're very close clearly Jimmy Garoppolo and him weren't Jimmy doesn't want to throw to the parts of the field where Brendan Ayuk is running in the first place Trey does Trey's this is gonna I don't know wasn't there in minicamp in OTAs for whatever reason that connection wasn't hidden in OTAs and minicamp was with Juwan Jennings it was with Ray Ray and it's early they have a lot of time to figure it out but I just haven't seen that alpha competitor from Ayuk that I've seen from Debo. I've never, like, Ayuk's hella good. He's good. He's not Dante Pettis. But, like, I f- still feel like there'll be practices that he'll flow through. It's like, man, you should have dominated today. You should have been the best player out here. Debo's not here. It should have been, everyone should have came away from this practice being like, ooh, 11, hell of a player. But, no, dropping passes, uh, for whatever reason, that connection wasn't on. And I'm curious to see, like, maybe 
maybe he's just not as great as people thought. You know, he's not a 4-4 runner like Debo is. Um, he's good, but everyone's expecting greatness this year. I'm not sure that we're going to get greatness from Brandon Ayuk this year. We'll see. Yeah, that's kind of good funny, especially because Kyle kind of like touted him as like one of the better leaders of their yep. or something like that. But he's doing all that stuff correct, but that doesn't make him faster. Yeah, that's true. Doesn't. Maybe oh, maybe they told him like, hey, it's OTAs, bro, calm it down. And then training camp, we need you to turn it up because it was training camp that really like you know got Kenneth Kyle PO'd entering the first quarter of the true. season. So I mean, true. but hey, I mean Kyle was right. I mean I was wrong. I said play play the kid more, and then sure enough, <laughs> he, he turned. I'm not it up. questioning Ayuk's professionalism or work ethic or practice habits. No. I just think he should. I'm questioning the final product. And, of course, it's just practice. But, like, dude, Jenny just tore it up, man. Come on. Yeah, and right this at this moment, it's like, uh, I'm not feeling a little too hot. You know, let me yeah, see. You're going against Ambry Thomas, man. Come on, dog. <laughs> tear it up. <laughs> Don't drop the ball. Sorry. No, no, okay, Castro, so... no Castro Fields. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Next one. Who you got? Uh, disappointment. And I know you have. Possible this... disappointment. <laughs> Possible disappointment. Possible disappointment. Um, shoot, I think, I, I think you have this one. No, I know you have this one. Uh, Talanoa Hafunga. Yeah. I'm oh, pretty yeah. sure you have that oh, one. Oh, yeah. This guy um, is, might be the biggest one. Possibly. And for this point, I, I think it's because versus, versus exceeding expectations and being a disappointment, I'll lean more towards the side of being a disappointment. Again, he still could be, he still could be fair, could be fair or solid. But in terms of my safeties, I don't like my safeties to be not slow <laughs> you know i don't like them to be slow yeah. i like them to be fast yeah. all right so i mean for him it's just he's he's great coming downfield he's a great tackler and all that and such but i mean in terms of like his eye discipline in terms of the speed it's like you got if you you got to have one or the other if you're gonna have great eye discipline and play recognition that way you can see the play faster and get there quick enough to make up for that lack of speed and i think that's where something he's really gonna have to hone in on and Maybe he is doing that from the way D'Amico Ryans is talking about him because Ryans doesn't really, you know, spew spew lies and spew hot air like that. Um, I just I just think he's going to be a liability more times than not. I think we're going to be like, man, Hufunga again versus good play Hufunga. Yeah. Uh, and that's something I think especially is going to be taken up with fans because it's, it's really hard to really tell what good safety play is to the common eye. But to me, to me, it's just something I think he's the one that's really going to, you're going to see so many times. Like that Vikings game, mm. that's going to be like, Funga again, and it's going to really be a downer on some people. Yeah, and I feel like the Niners have really um, raised expectations, kind of hyped them yeah. up for, for, since last year. The coaches, the players, especially the coaches. He's so professional. He's so good. He knows Troy Palomalu. I just think it's creating an unre an unreal, an unreasonable. Eventually, day one of his rookie year. <laughs> yeah, like really. I mean, they've hyped him up more than they've hyped up Trey Lance publicly. Now, they're starting to change that. But Lance is the one with the ceiling. Like Talanoa is all is all intangibles. It's not like oh well, once he puts it together, he's gonna be great. Like he's not super fast. He, he's gonna be out there playing on instinct, and maybe it'll work, and maybe it won't. But I, yeah. I, I just feel like people are thinking that he's gonna be this major upgrade over Tart. I'm not sure he will be. No, he's not gonna be an upgrade at all over Tart. The only upgrade is that he'll be more healthier. That's it. That's all he's got yeah. over Tart. Um, yeah. In terms of instincts, you want to play with that instincts, but you also still want like some other nice physical, physical unique traits that he has. I mean, we touted about Trey Lance all the time. Like he's got arms, got mobility, and it's like Hufunga just looks like any ordinary safety. You just hope that maybe he can get. Maybe I'm just not seeing it enough because I'm, <laughs> you know, he hasn't been out there too much. But I, I just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm selling. It. I, I lean more towards he'd be disappointed than actually exceed. Okay, I got another one on the defense. Nick Bosa. 
Oh. And I'm not saying he will be a disappointment because when he plays, he's not a disappointment ever. Right. But my just question with him is, right? huh? No, just like my point with Debo Samuel, just yeah. a little disappointing. Doesn't mean he won't be good. Well, my question is is his durability because the thing with Debo, I mean, with Nick Bosa is he'll play a season and be great, and then he'll miss an entire season. I mean, he's had this pattern going back to like high school or at least college, and I just want to see him have a second year in a row where he's healthy. And I think like just because he was healthy last year, everyone's expecting that those issues are totally done, or maybe they were three isolated freak incidents. I don't know. Hopefully I'd like to see him put this to bed and have this be a non-issue, but he's, he hasn't ever really had back-to-back seasons. I'm not going to say elite seasons. He's never had back-to-back seasons. So this would be a big step for him. And I think it's part of the reason why he probably won't get the extension this off season. Cause I think, the Niners would like to see him do it. And I think he knows that once he does it, he, no one, you can't say anything about him anymore. That he'll just be the highest paid non quarterback in the league. Oh, yeah. He's definitely yeah. going to, if uh, I, I would push against, you know what? That's a fair point because 2020 gone, 2021. Yeah. Let's, let's see him pull it together. And that's probably another reason why the 49ers haven't really tried to yeah. do extensions. Although, if you're Nick yeah. Bosa's camp, you're, you're, you're putting your phone on and you're throwing it in the ocean. We're like, we're not calling you because we're confident we're going to be healthy and ball out. And we want to exceed Aaron Donald's contract, which if Bosa is healthy and has a replication of last year's dominance, he's going to, he's going to beat that contract. Oh um, yeah. Someone else is okay. already going to beat it again, but yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's a solid. And there's not a lot to say with Bosa. It's just to, to be like, Hey, remember that this guy has like a terrifying injury history. I'm just saying, don't discount that, but okay. That's enough. That's all you really got to say about him. Anyone else? Yes. Disappointing. Uh, there was someone how about disappointing is going to be maybe like Ambry Thomas, I think. Okay. In terms of is, are we really going to see him on the field? I don't know. Are we going to see him on the field? I mean, maybe I think the only way you see him on the field is what Mosley gets injured or they say, all right, let's kick Mosley in the slot. Right. Which, again, I'm not sure the Niners are too keen on that. I mean, right. maybe they will because they love play. Like I said, they have an infatuation of throwing in players. It's a uh, player uh, out of position that they're not used to. And I don't like Mosley in the slot. Why? why they didn't give Mosley any slot reps in, in OTAs and minicamp. So to your another, point, I that's think, another yeah. telltale sign too. Yeah. So, I mean, please keep them away from there. I mean, there's no cross training going on right now. No, don't do no. that. I, I personally, I, I understand have your three best corners out there, but don't, don't ruin one of your high level ones just to get some type of average average that's play point. your outside and your that's slide you're really kind yeah. of diminishing what you have there you're better off making it up through some other formations yeah uh, or, or some form or fashion whatever but yeah i think every thomas is gonna be disappointing because you're gonna look and see where's his playing time you're really almost banking on just manny mosley getting hurt or manny mosley somehow having a stretch of bad play which i mean how many games is he gonna need for them to really like bench him i mean it takes forever for them to bench josh norman so i doubt they're gonna bench mosley and i personally i don't think he's ever gonna have more than a couple games of bad play because he's He's pretty damn good to me. Um, and then even if he does get injured, who's to say that they don't give it to Jason Verrett if he looked good? Mm-hmm. So, Ambry Thomas. I got one more on defense. Eric Armstead. Armstead finished the season really strong, and I feel like people think that he's now established himself as this consistent Pro Bowl pass rusher. I don't know. He did nothing in the NFC Championship game. I mean, he had no stats in that game. And I feel like he's the kind of player who – uh, only registers in the stat sheet in an impactful way periodically. Right. I, I just don't think he's going to – I mean, he really good against the run, good player, Dominic. but I just don't think he's going to be this 9, 10, 
sack. He did it once. I don't think he's going to do it again. And I think people are expecting that considering he's about to start making huge money and he plays in the same D line as Nick Bosa and Drake Jackson. And uh, he should be able to get, you know, I mean, Buckner on his team would get that many sacks if he were still here. But anyway, I don't, I, I'm just curious to see if Armstead can live up to the expectations that I guess he created for himself with that stretch run. Yeah, especially when he got kicked inside. That, that's pretty yeah. much like, firstly, just please, again, the common theme, this is already the third time. Like, when you just constantly just throw players away from the strengths, like, it, it's just, it, it just, it just, it just bothers me. Like, come on, let's just, let's just keep him in there. Let's just let him work and let him actually make that case that he's not periodically. Because right now, for me, it's like, I don't even know. Because other time we've seen it when he was actually in there is when he had other dominant players around him. So, yeah. to, to me, it's kind of like a jury's out situation. Yeah. Um, Terror Dome says, what's up with the elephant in the room? Disappointment, Kinlaw. Hello. Well, I did put Ke Kevin Givens in the exceed expectations. I guess this kind of implies that I would think. Yeah, I guess I'd have to say that I think Kinlaw is going to be a disappointment. And again, it's not because he's not working hard enough. He does his heart's not in the right place. He doesn't mean well. I think all those things actually are checks in his favor. It's just this knee thing. It's out of his control. It's rough. We'll see. We shall see. But I would have to straddle the feds here, which I'm trying to pick one way or the other. Like, am I exceeding expectations? Like, I like Hufunga. I like Hufunga. I think he'll do good. I got one more guy though. You got any more any more disappointments potentially? I got you one go more. off yours and maybe I I I can remember. I think I did have one more, but you go off yours and I think I'll rattle me. George Kittle. George Kittle. George, George Kittle, the greatest player. tight end in the NFL, the greatest tight end in franchise history with his 20 career touchdown. Everyone thinks he's like on the verge of another 1,300 yards or whatever. I just like to see him make it through week one without getting hurt this year. He hasn't done it in two years. I'd like to see him make it through week one without getting hurt. It just seems like to me his best years in the league were 18 to 19. The last two years, I mean, 2020 was a disaster. Last year was Gosh. good. I thought last year was a good season considering he was hurt. He didn't get to 1,000 yards, but he had a good year. I, I, I'm i curious to see if he can even match what he did last year. I'd like to see that. I don't know. He doesn't have Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball anymore. You know, you got <laughs> Trey Lance spreading it out a little bit more. I, I think, like, if you have George Kittle in your fantasy league, in your dynasty league, you might oh. This year, it might be a bad year for you. <laughs> my God, you don't don't get my cousin started about that thing. Talking about yeah. why did I trade for Kittle? All this. Maybe like, you can get extra fantasy points for his blocking, though. Yeah, we're gonna start incorporating blocking pancakes. Where you get a point where he gets a pancake, or when right. he does like a headbutt on a block. There you go. Yes, we'll, we'll count that. Yeah. Um, disappointing, disappointing player. I think, man, I think I I always pick on this guy. Mike McGlinchey. I just don't. Nah, I, just, yeah. I just don't. I'm with you. We're. I, I, kinda, I think our trend, me and you, so far has been like coming off an injury of, of players or their history and we're using it against them, which it's like, it's fair. It's like, dude, like you're coming off a torn quad. Are you going to be able to like do well kick stepping yeah. and continuing to get back while you're also holding on brunt force of edge rush? He wasn't even great before this injury. And you weren't great before that injury. Yeah. I mean, you were solid. You were solid as a run blocker, but premium offensive tackles. Our pass protectors, and the thing is, like I said, it's not like he's he gets beat every single down. It's not like he's a turnstile. It's the time he is a turnstile. When you're a turnstile on the clutch or on critical downs, you become a liability, and we're supposed to feel confident because you coming off a torn quad. I I don't know. I'm falling on that one. I have little faith in him. Um, I think he'll be okay. I just think it's gonna be like, man, we want more from McGlinchey, and especially in a contract year. Um, I think he's capable of it. I think he's capable of seeing the expectation and blowing us all out of the water. But 
to me, that's just a red. I just have everything red flags. We're, we're talking about fantasy. I don't draft players who have like injury history, something like that. I like to, I like to sold. I like to be so. I like to take the sure-handed, the one I know, the constant without injury that I know I can rely upon. Not someone who's coming off a significant injury. Agree. And then last person that's not a player, Kyle Shanahan. Ah. Again, Kyle Shanahan. All he's like Niner fans think he's the greatest coach ever. Uh, Jack Hammer wrote an article. Love Jack Hammer. No, no disrespect to Jack Hammer, but Jack Hammer wrote an article the other day saying that Kyle Shanahan is the third greatest coach in franchise history right now, better than Seifert, who won two Super Bowls. Like a lot of, and I, I strenuous in the most respectful way possible. Wow. I disagree with that, but <clears throat> a lot of people feel this way about Kyle Shanahan, best play caller in the league, one of the best. It's like, whoa, the guy's never had back-to-back winning seasons in his life. And there's a lot of reasons to think this team might have a losing season. I mean, they gutted their offensive line. They have a new quarterback. It's like, let's see him have some consistency for the first time in his career. I'd like to see it. Everyone expects that he's going to do it. Everyone, Every time he has a good year, everyone's like, boom, he's figured it out. He's going to do this the rest of his career. And then something happens. And it's, you know what I mean? Like, right. I just like to see him not have one of those down seasons that he always, typically, not always, but that that's his pattern. <clears throat> Yeah, I think it's because, like, his his body of work, like, he really is, like, one of the better play callers in the game. And I think it's because, like you said, he it's, like, his resume or whatever thing, he just can't put it together. It's, like, great, we see the play calls that you do well, and then you sometimes you – especially – let's go – let me dive into the games. Like, when he gets tricky or gets a little too cute on times, like, how many times in 2019 or 20 – I mean, I'm going back before – in terms of years, but I remember, didn't he do like an end around George Kittle a couple times in the red zone where it's like, what, what are you doing here, man? What are you doing? I remember. Did you throw the ball to George? Is that against the rule? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, it, it's just, why, why are you giving uh, an end around to George Kittle? And then Jarek McKinnon on a wildcat once against Seattle was that 2020 on fourth down. It's like, I, I'm, I'm trying to understand why he, he does those things, but yeah, I get what you're saying. I still think he's one of the better play callers in the league. And he just needs he just needs that resume to stack up with him. Like, all right, consistently winning seasons, consistently playoff, uh, playoff contention, and then all of a sudden, then it'll be more popular. But yeah, I think um, love Jack too. But a little third 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 franchise history is a little, is a little bit of straight. Did he put Harbaugh second? I'm assuming. I think he probably he probably would have put Harbaugh second. I do. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. But either or, that yeah. I said, yeah, I could see, I, I definitely could see that. I don't know. I think he's going to be, I think this is going to be the year where we really see Kyle Shannon finally get what he wants, sure long as Trey Lance finds his, finds a little stride hitting. I think that's what we're really going to see, like, man, that's all Kyle needed was a quarterback who could actually do something. <laughs> so that's 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 why I don't think he's going to be disappointed. I think he's going to be great this year to me. Blazin42086 asks, Jimmy for Baker. Need to move on and a backup for Lance. Do you think the 49ers will trade Jimmy Garoppolo for Baker Mayfield? Hell no. Why are you going to take Hell no. Just for a $9 million cheaper for a quarterback who's even worse player, who's a worse person than he is a player? His own team didn't want him. He's such a bad actor, dude. I hate his commercials with a passion. Those commercials are so corny, bro. I don't and even want a backup of... quarterback who has like a State Farm uh, endorsement deal. It's like, dude, just be the backup quarterback. Like... Just help Trey Lance out in meetings. Have no ego. I don't know. Baker Mayfield, I don't even think he'd want to do it. I think he would probably he'd complain. Like He's, he's going to get cut anyways. Same thing yeah. as Jimmy Garoppolo. Both of those yeah. players. There's, gonna be, there's no market. They're both getting cut. Yeah. Not getting traded. No, nah, I don't think it's going to happen. I just I, I don't think Baker Mayfield's a good fit for the 49ers. Tyrod Taylor would have been great, but Baker ne- Mayfield needs to go sulk somewhere else. 
I don't know. Baker Mayfield's just viewed as a toxic player. I mean, the way his team talks about him. I mean, look at the difference between Odell Cleveland versus Odell the Rams. And I'm not even talking about production. I'm talking about the way his demeanor is, the way people talked about him. When he left, everyone sombered him on the Browns, like the team weight wise. And then when he got on the Rams, everyone could just rave about him. But Baker, I remember, used to take like some subtle shots about him. Like that. That's kind of why like players don't like him. It's like we don't want our quarterback continually taking shots or like being mouthy like that to our own guys mm-hmm. like you're supposed to be the one who's like not not the squeaky squeaky clean but like someone that brings us together and like doing something right not 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 throwing us under the bus like that right and he's a bus thrower under uh, yes baker keep him out of this organization and his commercials i don't want to see him anymore <laughs> murphy says are there still good o-linemen or nickels that are free agents that we could pick up if we actually free up jimmy money before the season no no no. JC Trader's the only one you're getting at center. That's it. You might be able to trade. You might be able to make a trade, but no, absolutely not. Voice ad agency says two strong criticism I have for Kyle. Probably worst play caller on fourth down. And so many weapons we have and so hard sometimes for us to move down the field. Well, I mean, let's let's give some of that to Jimmy Garoppolo. It's hard to move down the field when the defense knows you can't throw the ball more than 15 yards down the field. It's hard. Yeah, that's that's pretty much my. That's why I always my defense to Kyle Grant is because it's like it's 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 the same with the uh, George Kittle. It's like can we really totally handle them? I mean, they're 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 dealing with a crutch at one of the most impactful, not one of the most impactful position in football. So it's like I can't totally like blame them for their faults. You know, you can. It's true. I, but the same thing happened when Mike Shanahan was the coach in Denver, though. Like he was there forever after Elway and didn't have that much success. And people were like, well, you know, he's got greasy, he's got plumbers. Like, that's who he wanted. Like, well, hey, you know, you give him a quarterback like Elway. See, what, Elway's not walking back through that door, yeah. you know? And, like, maybe maybe Lance will be that guy for for uh, for Kyle. But if he's not, then everyone will go back to being like, hey, man, you know, great play caller, but he can't scout the, the quarterback position. So, what you know, how – what is he? Is he a yeah. coach? Is he a GM? Is he a coordinator? You know? Lot in the line for that guy. Thousand percent. All right, moving on. The Niners had when the Niners are at their best, they have a home run hitter in their backfield. It was Mostert when they went to the Super Bowl the first time under Kyle Shanahan. It was Debo Samuel when they went to the NFC Championship game last season. Uh, I mean, Debo's still on the team. I'm not sure if he's willing to do that. And if he's not, do the Niners have a home run hitter in their backfield? Uh no. No, especially backfield specifically. No, Elijah Mitchell. He put on muscle, so I don't expect him to be more fast, like faster than he was last year. He put on more muscle, but it's it's not like we really needed him to be that player, anyways. We thought everyone thought there was still be Debo to that extent, but I, I I'm just looking up now. Who's going to be that home run hitter in the backfield? Is it going to be McLeod who does that? But is his body even built for that to really like sustain? I didn't like, see him line up in the backfield at all in OTAs. Yeah, so that's no. like I don't. Are they going to look to give it up? Just not not to the same degree in terms of volume as Samuel, but are they going to go back to Ayuk like they did in 2020? Because he had some capable moments where he had those little you know those little toss places running around in the backfield like mm-hmm. that. But other than that, I it's just like who's the I'm thinking. Moser and Samuel. What's the most consistent thing about them is speed, speed and, and vision, um, especially Moser. But it, 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 I, who? There's no one. You know, you got Ty Davis Price, who's supposed to be that bruiser, hard hitting back. I doubt he's going to be ripping off like 15 plus gainers at ease, um, unless the back blocking is fantastic. And Mitchell, I mean, I'm sure they'll have their moments, 
But in terms of like anywhere near close to that, or even just Homer and Billy, like this is a guy who's gonna take it to like twenty plus yards and really gash the defense. I, I, I have, I don't know who where that is. There's no one. They, they're gonna say it's Ty Davis Price, right? But I just don't see it. I mean, he ran four four something at two hundred eleven pounds. He's gonna put on fifteen pounds, at least ten pounds, uh, before he plays with this team. I don't know. I don't think they have the home run hitter in the backfield. I think it's a mistake. I think they're gonna regret not not adding this to this team. Um, because I don't think it's Lance. I don't, I mean, maybe, I mean, it's Debo. Essentially it's Debo. And if they start losing games, they're going to have to go to Debo and say, look, dude, like this is the only way we win. We, we proved it last year. They could not win without Debo Samuel uh, ripping off big runs from the backfield. That they, that was the key to success. So, I mean, they're going to try to win different ways this year, but they've struggled to win without a home run hitter in the backfield the last, I mean, since Kyle's been here. And uh, I don't know about Ty Davis Price being that guy. So we'll see. Yeah. And that's, I, I really do wonder if they, if that, if, if, if desperate times really does come to desperate measures with that sense. And I, I you know, I average it out. I average it out in terms of like for a whole season, how much, uh, deep, how much deep volume, how many carries Debo would have gotten if he still sustained the same role. And I think it came to be like, he would get six carries a game, which, you know, you think about it, six carries isn't a lot, but for a wide receiver, you no, know, it's kind of a lot. And you just kind of wonder, like, can we just get that in half? Maybe not necessarily early on in the season because, you know, we don't want to wear him down like the first half of the season, but maybe slowly when the playoff starts coming and the teams think we're not using it anymore that we integrate Debo on a couple of carries and see what happens. It doesn't even have to be where he's just straight up lined up next to Lance in the shotgun or if he's just lined up in the back backfield uh under center behind lance just can we get something in that sense to, to me because I, I, you know you're pretty much diminishing his value he's diminishing his own value and his own impact by not doing that and the offense really you know we, we talk about the offense getting unleashed or the ceiling being raised because lance can move lance has an arm and stuff but you kind of like also cut it down a bit with for really not giving debo that you know some of those carries especially since you don't really have anyone with home run ability well, it seems like now, I mean, maybe maybe a big reason the Niners needed home run ability from their running back was because they didn't have it in their quarterback. They didn't have it in their passing game. And you need it somewhere in your offense. So by default, it had to be in the running game. Now, theoretically, you have an explosive thrower. Uh, so maybe what they need now is just sort of like Flip a grinded-out running game, sort of what, which is what their passing game was the last few years, right? right. Maybe. We'll see. No, that's a good point. Flip it. Make make a passing game the home run ability and the running game just like we don't need it to be home run ability. We just need them to be to sustain drives. And if we rip one, we rip one. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Good that'd call. Be a good one. That'd be a good one. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Last topic of the day. I want to know. I guess I want to get everyone's take. It's the it's it's legacy conversation, Mount Rushmore conversation. Bay Area sports is becoming rich with some great athletes. Who is the, yeah. ba the greatest Bay Area athlete in your uh Ever, in your opinion, greatest Barry athlete now after he they, he just won his fourth finals is now Stephen Curry. It's now Stephen Curry. Before it was Rice or Montana. You can flip him either order for me, but to me now it's it's a clear cut. And I just got into the debate hardcore with like some cousins and uncles, in which they're all various ages, and it's a fun debate now, especially in the Barry, because like you said, it's just like rich with so much you know professional athletes and all the sports. Um, the Giants, the Niners, the Warriors, maybe in the A's of Henderson. But to me now, I, I think it's Curry, man. Just what you got from his career. And he's not even done yet. 
I just think when it's all said and done, whenever, whenever he's done, whether it's in three years, five years, whatever, I, I think he might even have one more ring. I think he's still going to keep building up to his resume. He's the GOAT now of the Bay Area, in my opinion. I can't go that far. Not yet. But to me, it's still Willie Mays and Jerry Rice. Like Those guys dominated from the minute they, they hit the scene and then played into their 40s. Curry could, though. I'm, I'm with you. Like If Curry plays until he's 41 and keeps winning championships and putting up numbers, then why not? Like, And also, his game isn't built on athleticism at all. It seems like he could continue to shoot until he's 40, if, I mean, unless his ankles give out. But like Kareem, his game wasn't really built on athleticism. He play, played into his 40s. I think it's possible that Steph Curry could retire as the greatest Bay Area athlete ever. But I think the competition is pretty stiff when you're going up against Willie Mays and Very Jerry stiff. Rice. So I, th- I couldn't say he's there at 34 years old. Not when not when those two did it for two decades. But I see what you, I think he could. He right. could do it one day. Maybe it's the age in me that's just seeing that. Because, look, the way I'm breaking it down was it was going Curry one. It was going Jerry Rice number two. I was going Montana number three. And I was going Barry Bonds number four. Yeah. And then I went Posey number five. But that was like something, and, that, and that's something I totally, and being as someone, like I said, don't remember back in the day, so Maze definitely should be in there. But that was something when we were just debating all of us yesterday, and we're all going back and forth. Everyone has something new. And it was, it, 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 this is one of the funner topics, because I think this is the most unique where you can really get someone's like true true feelings there's no right or wrong answer i feel i mean there's never is in like in sports so much so because it's just sports but this is the one where i really think you can really go tuck and pull on hardcore debates but to me like now it's just curry just in terms of like he's been with the franchise how he's for his whole career he's ascended he still has got a, a little while to go um three-point masters best shooter ever unanimous mvp it's already like he's just been an impactful player yep and what's interesting is so like we just laid out the the bay area mount rushmore Montana, Curry, Rice, Mays. And what's funny is Mays, arguably the greatest baseball player ever. Rice, arguably the greatest football player ever. Uh, Curry, not the greatest basketball player ever yet, but let's see what when his career is over because he's putting himself in the conversation. That's pretty heady stuff for the Bay Area. I mean, potentially three of the best players ever from in their sports. And then you got Bill Russell, who didn't play professionally here, but grew up in Oakland. Played uh, collegiately at USF. A lot of championships. I mean, he doesn't count. But, yeah, the Bay Area's got some serious, serious athletes in their history. I'm proud. I think another point – yeah. I'm proud. I think another point with Steph is you really got to also consider, like, how you kind of revolutionize basketball in a way, too, in terms of, like, now everyone wants to shoot. I mean, Mm -hmm. didn't he pretty much – I think – you could pretty much give him the credit for creating the Houston Rockets with James Harden and Chris Paul when they lived by the D, lived by the three, and they died by the three. And then they yeah. pretty much like ended Chris Paul's ever chance of like ever success. Well, I mean, he had that runs with the Suns, but that was so sweet. I hate Chris Paul. I hate James Paul. Yeah, I mean, he pretty much what, what Curry did. I mean, I guess some people will say it's analytics, but they he just proved that um, you need to live and die by the three in the NBA. Stop taking long twos. And that's like, the, to me, the biggest difference between Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. Shot selection. You look at, at Kevin Durant, his efficiency is off the charts, but he only shoots five threes a game. Steph will shoot 11. Steph understands that, like, I know, like, some I'm going to miss more than I take, but um, I just got to live and die with this because I'm going to live much more often. And it seems like Durant isn't willing. 
and you're just not going to win as much shooting long twos, especially in the playoffs. So, yeah, Curry really showed people, like, stop being scared. Shoot more threes. If you're good, shoot 11 threes a game. If you can hit 40% of your threes, you should be shooting 10, 11 threes a game. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Most, most people aren't Stephen Curry, though. <laughs> most people are Stephen right. Curry. But, I mean, like- theoretically, if you look at Kevin Durant's shooting percentages, he should be shooting more threes. Durant, yeah. Three yeah, but he won't. And that's why he ain't Steph. I bet you he doesn't do it. Any, he doesn't want to do it because he doesn't want to get called the new Steph or something like that. I don't know what is it. It's a, it's a, it's stubbornness. Come on. Anyway, that's the show. I'm looking happy got? the Warriors won it without Durant because it's like it's like you really left and you became all this little petty Twitter king. Like, come on, dog. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why a lot of Warrior fans are not even Warrior fans, but like Warrior observers are kind of like uh, amused by by Durant. Because he's so like it seems like he's totally consumed with his own legacy. It's all he cares about basketball and his legacy, not necessarily winning. It's like winning how it relates to his legacy. So he came to the Warriors because he couldn't beat them, and then he left the Warriors because he realized that it wasn't helping his legacy winning here, and that he needed to go win somewhere else. And then for him to realize that he's not going to win somewhere else, and the Warriors are going to win without him, and that's going to hurt his legacy even further is like hilarious because it's like he made his bed, you know. You didn't hear a word I just said. I should have died on you. So. All right. Anyway, show's over. Thanks for watching, everyone. We'll be back another time. Adios. <laughs>